Several years ago now, I was standing in the checkout counter at Walmart, and I heard the cry of a mother looking for her lost child. Stevie, Stevie, my baby, my baby, she wailed, moving down the brightly lit aisle, looking down each row with increasing desperation. My first thought was, I hate to admit, not kind. In fact, it seems embarrassingly callous in retrospect. What I thought was, I saw this coming. Because I had encountered little Stevie earlier in the grocery aisle when he tried to walk through my legs, I kid you not, to the cereal shelf, which at that moment I was perusing, and proceeded to pull down several boxes at once with large sweeping motions of his little three-year-old hands as he screamed, I want, I want. Mom is several feet away, oblivious it seems to what's going on. I cleared my throat. She manages to turn her head slightly and say, sweetie, you can have whatever you want. Just give mommy a minute. This is an unsatisfactory answer to little Stevie. And so he begins to cry out even louder, continuing to pull boxes off the shelf with even more gusto. I want, I want. And I do something that those of you who know me well know it has to go really far before I will. I quietly said to him, let's not pull the boxes off the shelf, trying hard to avoid adding the word sweetie. (laughs) And this gets mom's attention. She walks halfway toward the child who immediately begins walking away from her, down the cereal aisle, running his arms down it as he goes, scattering even more boxes. Which one do you want, sweetie? Surely you can't eat all of these. And Stevie points, that one. And mom replies, okay, honey, just give mommy one more minute. And that's when it happens. You've seen it happen before. He's unaccustomed to having to wait for anything. He gets down on the floor and begins crying and kicking his hands and feet blindly into the air. His mom now attempts to pick him up and he arches his back, stiffens his body, and continues to wail. This is when I decided to take my leave. I felt the way that I know now grandparents feel when they hand a screaming grandchild back to mom or dad and say, well, I've really enjoyed this visit, but I guess I better be heading home. All of this is why, for a brief moment, When I saw his mother quickly moving from row to row, calling out her name, his name, her lost little boy, I had that thought. You know, they kind of had that coming, I thought to myself. She wasn't very attentive. He was out of control, a recipe for disaster. If any of you has a hundred sheep and one of them 
let's call him Stevie, gets lost, what will you do? Won't you leave the 99 out in the wilderness and go look for that lost sheep until you find it? And then once you find it, won't you throw it onto your shoulders, summon your neighbors, and throw a party to celebrate? The answer, of course, is no. No shepherd worth his or her salt is going to leave 99 sheep to fend for themselves against predators in the wilderness to go looking for one. You know how sheep get lost after all? One nibble at a time. The stomach overrides the brain. So you cut your losses. And if you happen to run across the lost little sheep on the way home with the 99, well, you might throw a party, but the main course will be roasted lost lamb. But that's not what happens here. The parable is absurd, really, when you think about it, because it describes behavior in which no shepherd would engage. Who among you would do this, Jesus asks. No one is the right answer. And yet this strange shepherd leaves the 99 and does just that, searches relentlessly until he finds. And then the parable becomes stranger still. The shepherd, and you have to really pay attention to the text here, the shepherd picks up the lost lamb, places it on his shoulders, and then goes home. Did you notice that? He goes home. What happened to the other 99 sheep? All of us good Presbyterians want to know. The obedient ones. Did you not wonder what happened to the 99? They're never mentioned again in the parable. The 99 sheep appear to be kind of a, a setup. And one scholar says he thinks that the one lost sheep in the, is the human race as it really is. And the 99 sheep who never get lost are the human race as we think we are. The one lost sheep stands for all of us. And what this parable is really saying is that God will not stop searching for all of us, those of us who are lost and know it, and those of us who, along with the scribes and Pharisees in this parable, are lost and do not have a clue. But no matter, God will not stop searching. I wonder what our interactions would be like in the world if we came to them with this understanding that we are among the lost who have been found, that we are the recipients of this amazing grace that we do not deserve, that we are the foremost of sinners. I always remember that wonderful line from G.K. Chesterton when he was asked to submit an essay saying what is wrong with the world today, he wrote in and said, Dear Sirs, I am sincerely G.K. Chesterton. 
What would our relationships look like with one another? How might they be transformed if we came to them recognizing that we are all of us sinners saved by grace as we are? How would our country with its many pitched battles look if we came to the table with those with whom we disagree, not as those who have all the answers, who are on the good team, but as the foremost of sinners saved by grace. The key, I think, to the renewal of our relationships, the key maybe even to peace in our world, is for those of us who are standing safely with the 99, open our eyes to the fact that in this parable, there are really no 99. There are only all of us lost sheep found by the shepherd. These stories are finding stories, not lost stories. Maybe Jesus is looking now at the crowd that's gathered around him and he realizes how absurd he must sound So he decides to sound even more absurd. He tells another parable, this one involving a woman, which he often does in Luke. He'll pair a story about a woman with a story about a man. But she's more confounding even than the shepherd. Who among you, he says, if you lost a coin, will you not light a lamp and search the whole house until you find it, giving away that it's dark? Once you've found it, you invite your neighbors over to the house in the middle of the night to celebrate the finding. Again, the answer is no one. No one loses a coin in the dead of night and then instead of waiting till the light of day, lights a lamp and burns expensive oil, sweeping and sweeping until she finds it. And no one is going to throw a party for a lost coin that will end up costing you more than the value of the coin itself. It's absurd. No one, it seems, except God would do such a thing. There's more rejoicing in heaven, Jesus announces, over one lost person who is found than over 99 lost persons who think they need no repentance. Thank God everyone else in the store was not doing what I was doing, sitting around calculating blame. They were too busy joining the frantic search for for the lost little sheep. Stevie, Stevie echoed throughout the store as more and more people joined in the search I was about to join in as well when someone emerged from electronics with Stevie in his arms looking perplexed at all the attention. There were smiles all around, relief, people even giving the visibly shaken mother hugs. Before I knew what was happening, I was smiling too. There was great joy in the Walmart over one little lost sheep. If there had been bread, we would have broken it, passed it around. If there had been a bottle of wine, we would have poured it. Here's to you, you little brat. (laughs) For once you were lost and now you've been found. 
You are loved. You are valued. Cheers to you. After all, we call it the joyful feast of the people of God. But it doesn't have to be the first Sunday of the month when this table is set for us to rejoice in being found. This story of being found is our story. It's the central story of the Christian faith. The story of God's amazing grace. I once was lost, but now I'm found. What is that thing that we call Christian education, after all, that we celebrate today? What is it other than the formation of disciples of Jesus Christ into this very story that says no matter who you are, you are beloved, you are welcome, you are valued, you are home. These are not stories of lostness. These are finding stories. And we, all of us, whether we know it or not, we have been found to the glory of God alone. Amen.